Hello, uh, good morning. This is Joseph Cornelia with Blue Door Podcast. Uh, sorry again, I couldn't do it yesterday, but got a little bit busy. Um, so today we're looking at James four. I mean, no, James five. We looked at James four two weeks ago, and now we're going to finish up James. And yeah, we'll see how long this goes. Um, it's a really good chapter beware but also like has really good I don't know um just I don't know like be patient in suffering that's a that's like a good one because as Christians we do suffer or promise persecution Jesus says it many times as well as like power of prayer so let's dive on in Alright, so I'll start off with reading James 5, and it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and these corrosion, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold the wages of your laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud are crying out against you and the cries of harvesters have reached the ears of the lord of hosts you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter you have condemned and murdered the righteous person he does not resist you and then be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the lord see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brother, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And above all, brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone bring him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's pretty good. And I know I'll maybe forget about it later, but like the prayer of the sick and stuff like that, like it will save him, save the one who is sick, verse 15 and the lord will raise him up and like he'll be forgiven 
like it fits with like Luke and Luke when Jesus talks about um, I came for the sick like a doctor doesn't come for the healthy but for the sick and it almost kind of fits there like I don't know it just that's really cool like I've seen healings and there can definitely be healings and I cannot speak against the Holy Spirit on that at all nor do I want to because it's an awesome like action of God that he does although what part of God isn't awesome um okay so the first six verses when it's talking about the rich person and like how all of this has like basically um infected your heart and stuff like that and like there's another verse in peter somewhere one of the peters <laughs> it's like greed is the root of all kinds of evil or money money is the root of all kinds of evil um which whichever whatever sin you put there isn't is a root of all kinds of evil lust stealing lying on and on and on um but like it corrupts your heart and it's just greed and jealousy and it's just like a cycle but um so i have a few like passages to go on with it and uh Matthew 19 16 through 22 um and it's about a uh I'll just read it and teacher behold a man and behold a man came up to him saying teacher what good deed must I do to have eternal life and he said to him Jesus said to him why do you ask me about what is good there is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. I like that part because he's like, okay, well, there's there's only one who's good. Jesus led a perfect, sinless life. Our Father is good. There's no one else that has not sinned. Um, but he, verse 18, he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Um, that's a really good part of scripture for this part and he talks about later on in that how hard it is for a uh, rich man to enter heaven because he also says in I don't know if it's the Beatitudes or not but <clears throat> like you can't serve both God and money you can't you can't serve both God and money like you can't serve both God and yourself. Money can be an idol. So can lots of other stuff. Um, like my phone can be an idol. Um, if I take my Bible reading and I take God out of it, 
it's just another book. As sad as that is. And sometimes I find myself doing that. Um, but, um, so like, that's another, another passage on rich. And then I have one more. It's in Luke 19, I mean 16. And, um, this one is about the rich man and Lazarus. Um, one second. And so, like, Luke sixteen nineteen through 31 is about, basically, two characters. A rich man who lives his life in ease and feasts and stuff like that. And then a poor man who was covered in sores, a painful life, is a beggar. And, like, as low as dogs. And they both die. The rich man goes to hell. And Lazarus goes up to Abraham's side. And so now Lazarus is kind of like living in ease. But like, yeah. Um, Basically, he was <clears throat> in anguish. He had like bad things like. His life was not the best on earth or whatever, the painful life. But now he is in ease. And there's like a great chasm between them. And the rich man's like calling out to Abraham, like, hey, you can um, have, have just mercy about, like, for me. Like, to just dip, like, send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger into water to cool my tongue. For he is in the fire. And... Everyone's like, well, there's a great chasm here for a reason. And, like, remember your life. Lazarus lived in anguish. And you lived in, like, great class and ease and stuff like that. Um, and then he's like, okay. Uh, like, send, send Lazarus to my to my brothers, to my father, that they may be warned, that they may not go into this. And, um, like, if if somebody goes, they'll repent. And Abraham says this in verse 31, he says, he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And that's like Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead. And people still weren't convinced. Like, how, how hard is your heart? Um, but, yeah, that's a good one for, like, rich, like, I don't know. I can't speak on living in ease or anything like that. I do live in ease for, like, the most part, however. Not as much as some, but more than others. Um, doesn't mean I should sell everything I have. I don't know. I'm not sure, like, scripture says, sell everything you have. But in the context of today, there's also senders and goers. Like, me and Madeline, we will go and be missionaries and honestly, basically sell all we have. Um, and I can't wait. 
Um, like, coming back, having three suitcases, and being like, okay, where do you want to go? Like, that sounds awesome. It sounds like a great life. I don't mind living not in ease, but, yeah, so, like, just how, um, Abraham was, like, calling out the rich guy, how James 1 through 6 calls out the rich and says, like, stop caring only about yourself, and, like, what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen sixteen through 22, like, one of the key commandments that sticks out is love your neighbor as yourself. And while he was living in the East, Lazarus was living a hard life. Not at the same time. Those weren't the same rich men. Um, Alright, so verse like 7 and 8. Two of the main things that stuck out to me was be patient. The first two words of 7 is be patient. Uh, and then 8 says you also be patient. Um, and that's awesome. That's a good command it fits in with James 1 2 through 4 <clears throat> count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing like you have to wait there's not much that you can do usually in suffering except keep doing what you were doing, you're suffering for a reason. Like, I, I went to a class last night for a perspectives class, and he was talking about suffering. Is God trying to wake you up to obedience? And, I mean, it can also be discipline. The Lord disciplines those he loves. If you're not disciplined, then you're an illegitimate child. I think that's in Hebrews. Um, but, like, I mean, we're promised suffering. If I'm suffering, I might be in obedience. So I'm not sure, like, it is a call to obedience, but, like, I just read a book. It's called Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormbrand. It's pretty good. He's basically, like, in Romania, that's where he lives. And the Russians come and take over with communism and start throwing people in jail for being Christians and stuff like that. And they were very, very, very persecuted. They suffered greatly for their obedience to Christ. Did it make them more obedient to Christ? Uh, yeah, but they were in there for their obedience to Christ. And so I, you can... Um, I guess, but <laughs> like when I suffer, it's usually a wake up call for me to turn to God as well as sometimes it is like I'm just suffering and I'm being obedient to God. It might be slightly unrated, unrelated, um, but also being able to see that Hey, maybe this is because I'm serving God and I promised persecution. But verse 7, like the farmer metaphor, like 
The farmer waits for his precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. And this also kind of fits in with the parable of the sower, which is Matthew 13, 3 through 8, Mark 4, 3 through 8, and Luke 8, 5 through 8. And so uh, the parable of the sower is basically talking about how uh, a sower went out into the field uh, and he was throwing seeds in different places. Someone on a path, someone on the rocky, on rocks, someone in the weeds, and some fell on good soil. On the path, they were eaten by birds. On the rocks, they sprouted, but then the sun scorched them and they died. On the weeds, the weeds choked them out. On the good soil, it produced good, like, a good harvest. Um, and so... I don't know, I just like parallel farmers analogy. Um and then like verse eight, like establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Like check your heart. See where your heart is, for the Lord is coming. Like Jesus said, like for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said that quite a few times. Um but check your heart, like check where you lie. I forget where it is, like in Ephesians, like Paul talks about like I don't know, checking your faith, or even, like, another part in the New Testament when he talks about uh, sorting your salvation out with fear and trembling. I think that might also be in Ephesians. But check your heart. See where you lie. Um, Verse 9, like, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Well, the judge part just reminds me of uh, James 4, like, 11 through 12, talking about, like, don't speak evil against one another, um, for, like, who can you judge? And stuff like that. And there's only one judge, God, and he will judge, like, the end. And so, I don't know, it just, like, stuck out to me, like, the first part, do not grumble against one another. And then, like, and the Thessalonians and Timothy, both of them, then uh, talks about, like, not complaining, too, or let no slander be among your mouth or whatever, just stuff like that. And it also shows the power of words, but also, like, the power of loving your brothers. Not even just your brothers, but also your sisters, and not just your intimate family, but like the whole body of Christ, as well as everybody, because everybody's your neighbor. Um, so like verse 10 is also like James 1, 2 through 4, like the suffering. Um, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And this also ties into verse 11. Um, but suffering and patience, they go together, like, as the prophets showed, like, suffering and patience go together. It just makes me think of, like, Elijah when he was stuck in the cave, because he ran away, like, suffering and patience go together. Um, and, like, verse 11, like, talks about Job and his steadfastness, 
James, like Job is like literally the embodiment of James 1, 2 through 4. Um, which is, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For, as you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Job is kind of like the embodiment of that in the sense of he was steadfast as everything was taken away from him. Um, and like the compassionate and merciful part, like you usually don't think of that as in the Old Testament. Um, like in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Like he doesn't change. God doesn't change. There's different aspects of God, but nothing changes. He's, he's the same today, like the past, and forever. Um, but like you don't usually see mercy and compassion as God's personality traits in the Old Testament. Um, it's a lot more wrath and stuff like that. Like the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are like wrath and destruction. And the last 40 to 26 are more of compassion and mercy and forgiveness and stuff like that. Um, or comfort. First word of like com uh, Isaiah 40, I think is comfort. Um, and so, uh, one second. And now I'm... Now I have to look it up because I want to be right about that. Yeah, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord, says your Lord, Isaiah 40, verse 1. And so, you might not think of merciful and compassionate as an underlying factor of God throughout the whole Bible, but it's there. Um, as well as like Jonah. Like Jonah was like, okay. He's going to have wrath on them, destroy them. Okay, great. And then God forgives them and has mercy on them. And Jonah's like, what? And I love I love the story of Jonah. But, um, like, he's found to be merciful and compassionate throughout the Bible. All right, verse 12. Like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. <laughs> I like how this, like, it's not like cussing as in swearing, but it's promises. It ties it to James 4, 14, which is, yet you do not know that tomorrow, what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Like, you have no control. You can't, um, uh, I forget where Jesus says it. Like, he says... Yes, be yes, no, be no. I think, yeah. Um, but, like, you can't turn your the color of your hair. Um, yeah, in Matthew 5, 37. Um, and 36. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. That's good, because I, I need that check sometimes. 
I'm like, oh, okay, I, I think I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm like, oh, man, I also, like, have other things to do. Not that it makes it less important. It's just, like, you sometimes I can't be in the same places at the same time. Only sometimes. Other times I, I teleport, you know. But, um, yeah, like, like your yes be yes and your no be no. All right, verses, like, 13 through 18 are about prayer. And I really liked what uh, Bob Bloom said. He was one of the speakers for uh, Maryland and I's college class, and Silas Peterson actually went to that night. He was the dean of Hope College, which uh, is a college in Michigan in the United States, and he uh, was the first dean there, dean pastor of chapel or whatever. Uh, but he, he told me, like, prayer and scripture go together. And that was, like, one of the things that, like, stuck out to me was, like, I can read scripture and I can pray, but why why on earth would I keep them separate? Isn't prayer just, like, talking to God? Prayer should be, like, breathing to us. Um, like, I don't even know. It's The Bible is the word of God. And so why wouldn't you respond by prayer? He's trying to speak to you. Like, this Bible, this word, is sharper than a double-edged sword, cutting through bone and joint and marrow, spirit, soul. Like, and it's also, it's also breathing. It's living. That's awesome. Because God's trying to, like, reach out to you. He's trying to show you who he is <clears throat> and um it must be combined with prayer because you're talking back to god all right verse 13 like is any of one of you suffering like let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing praise like i love it it's just straightforward like okay are you are you suffering okay pray are you cheerful great praise um, and like verses 14 and 15 and 16 all go kind of together um, but like if you're sick go to the elders let them pray for you and anoint you with oil and the verse 15 and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven I love that. And then also, like, 16 works into that in a little bit. But, like, that's awesome. Um, like, if you're sick, if you're a sinner, the prayer of faith, you believing in God, having faith in Him, confessing, like, you are Lord God. will save the one who is sick, like, save him, not even, like, heal him, <laughs> it looks there, but save him, and he will raise him up, like, I'm, in my opinion, I think that's, like, raising him up on the last day, like, everybody else, or whatever, or raising him up after he's dead, when he dies, then he'll raise him up into heaven, or, I don't, 
I don't know what happens after I die except I go to heaven. Because it talks about the prophets being asleep. Maybe, like, I don't know if they were asleep until Jesus came and then they were able to go into heaven. Uh, he says, I'm preparing a place for you. And just stuff like that. <clears throat> but he will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, which who hasn't, right? Um, he will be forgiven. That's awesome. I love that verse. And like there, and then verse sixteen is awesome as well. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as its workings. And I love that part about like you may be healed. Like I used to think, okay, if I'm sick, I gotta go to the elders. They'll anoint me, pray, I'll be healed. And if it was that easy. There would be no sick Christians. Because if it worked every single time, then that's where we would go. We wouldn't even go to a hospital or anything like that. We'd just go to church. Um, and healing is God's will on whether or not to heal. He is the healer. Um, but it's his choice. I think in this context, it's more of healing as in from the sick. Like your soul was sick, now you're healed. You were dying, you were going towards death, but now you are brought to life. Or you are, were already dead, like the wages of sin is death. Um, and it also says like, confess your sins to another and pray for another so that you may be healed. But like, those two commands are very good as well of just praying for each other and confessing sins to each other. It brings in so much accountability. It takes so much of a burden off you if you're trying to go through it yourself. It's awesome. And it's also like kind of like the commands from uh, James... Uh, one nineteen. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Like those are all, also some good commands. Not to like live by, like live by Jesus, but good commands still that fit into the life of Jesus. <clears throat> um. And then verse seventeen and verse eighteen. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. That's awesome. Like the power of Elijah's prayer, how he was such a man of God, is very like noticeable here. Like he was praying for no rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed for rain and then it rained. Um. Yeah. Um. He's just super, super obedient to God. And then we'll finish up with verses nineteen and twenty, and we're just talking about like, if your brother is like wandering from the truth, like, 
they're going away from the faith, like bring them back. And like um like you will save his him from his death and cover a multitude of sins like by bringing him back that's awesome I mean there's like part, a part in Hebrews I think where it says like those who leave Jesus never even knew Jesus um, but like the Lord also says like in the very like tough scripture of like Lord Lord we did all these things in your name it says depart from me I never knew you just know Jesus. Like, I feel like, oh, there's always more knowing or whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, go try to bring back your brothers. Like, Jesus left for one sheep. He left the righteous for one sheep. He's, like, that's the parable that he gives. Whereas he would have left all of heaven for just you only you he would leave the comforts of heaven now just for one person on earth as well as like the angels rejoice for one person one sinner saved like the parable of the lost son like he was in the house he left and he came back and his father threw a party rejoiced that he came back because he loves him so much wasn't condemning like what did you do like yes I will let you work as a slave you spent all my money you spent all the inheritance I was giving you on all this like bad living but no he's he accepts him he brings him back it's also there's also an aspect of go here go to those who are going away kind of like your brother's leaving bring him back and this made me think of the great commission kind of in Matthew 28 18 through 20 and it says and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age it's like nations and there's is like ethnos, it's like ethnicity, people groups. <clears throat> like go and make disciples of all people groups. And like he's just been given all authority or maybe not just been given, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been mm, given to him. And so go. Like, uh, Hebrew context is like as you go. But like, it's it's more of like an emphasis on disciples, like discipleship is more of the verb in that sentence, whereas go is like as you go. Um, not more of as a command, but paired along with, make disciples of all nations, of all people groups. And there's verses in the Gospels about. Jesus saying, like, uh, reaching every nation. And um, 
then the end will come. In Luke and Matthew, I know there's two. Uh, there's one each. And oh, I'm forgetting what else. But, like, yeah. Just, like, we have to go. We should go to every person. But we have to go to every people group and share the gospel, share the love with them. Um. Yeah, so... That's that's what I have for James 5. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope it encourages you. Have a great day and just remember the key points from James. like Don't love your money too much. Uh, be patient. Don't complain or grumble against each other. Pray, 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 and help your brothers out, bring them back. Um, I mean, that's not like the key points, but like, it is part of the key points. But just remember this chapter, all the parallel scripture with it. And I want you to test it as well, like the Thessalonians mentioned in Acts. And have a great day. God bless you.